Chapter 1 of Mice and Men A few miles south of Soldad, the Silenus River drops in close to the hillside bank and runs deep and green. The water is warm too, for it has slipped twinkling over the yellow sands in the sunlight before reaching the narrow pool. On one side of the river, the golden foothill slopes curve up to the strong and rocky Gebelan Mountains, but on the valley side of the water is lined with trees, willows fresh and green with every spring carrying in their low leaf junctures the debris of the winter's flooding and sycamores with mottled white cumberbent limbs and branches that arch over the pool. On the sandy bank under the trees, the leaves lie deep and so crisp that a lizard makes a great skittering if he runs among them. Rabbits come out of the brush to sit on the sand in the evening, and the damp flats are covered with the night tracks of coons. And with the spread pads of dogs from the ranches and with the split wedge tracks of deer that come to drink in the dark there is a path through the willows and among the sycamores a path beaten hard by boys coming down from the ranches to swim in the deep pool and beaten hard by tramps who come wearily down from the highway in the evening to jungle up near water in front of the low horizontal limb of a giant sycamore there is an ash pile made by many fires. The limb is worn smooth by men who have sat on it. Evening of a hot day started the little wind to moving among the leaves. The shade climbed up the hills towards the top. On the sand banks, the rabbits sat as quietly as little grey sculptured stones, and then from the direction of the state highway came the sound of footsteps on crisp sycamore leaves. The rabbits hurried noiselessly for co- cover. A stilted heron laboured up into the air and pounded down river. For a moment, the place was lifeless. And then two men emerged from the path and came into the opening by the green pool. They had walked in single file down the path and even in the open one stayed behind the other. Both were dressed in denim trousers and in denim coats with brass buttons. Both wore black shapeless hats and both carried tight blankets rolls slung over their shoulders. The first man was small and quick, dark of face, with restless eyes and sharp, strong features. Every part of him was defined. Small, strong hands, slender arms, a thin and bony nose. Behind him walked his opposite, a huge man, shapeless of face, with pale, with large pale eyes, with wide, sloping, sloping shoulders, and he walked heavily dragging his feet a little, the way a bear drags his paws. His arms did not swing at his sides, but hung loosely. 
The first man stopped short in the clearing, and the follower nearly ran him over. He took off his hat and wiped the sweat band with his forefinger and snapped the moisture off. His huge companion dropped his blankets and flung himself down and drank from the surface of the green pool, drank with long gulps, snorting into the water like a horse. The small man stepped steps nervously beside him lenny he said sharply lenny for god's sake don't drink so much lenny continued to snort into the pool the small man leaned over and shook him by the shoulder lenny you're gonna be sick like you was last night lenny dropped his whole head under hat and all and then he sat up on the bank and his hat dropped down on his blue coat and ran down his back that's good he said. You drink some, George. You take a good big drink, he smiled happily. George unslung his bindle and dropped it gently on the bank. I ain't sure it's good water, he said. Looks kind of scummy. Lenny dabbled his big paw in the water and wriggled his fingers so the water rose in little splashes. Rings widened across the pool to the other side came back again <clears throat> lenny watched them go look george look what i done george knelt beside the pool and drank some from his hand with quick scoops tastes all right he admitted don't really seem to be running though you never ought to drink water when it ain't running lenny he said hopelessly you'll drink out of a gutter if you was thirsty he threw a scoop of water into his face and rubbed it down with his hand under his chin and around the back of his neck. Then he replaced his hat, pushed himself back from the river, drew up his knees and embraced them. Lenny, who had been watching, imitated George exactly. He pushed himself back, drew up his knees, embraced them, looked over to George to see whether he had done it just right. He pulled his hat down a little more over his eyes, the way George's hat was. George stay, stared mostly at the water. The rims of his eyes were red with sunglass, he said angrily. We could just as well rode clear to the ranch if that bastard bus driver knew what he was talking about. Just a, few, just a little stretch down the highway, he says. Just a little stretch. Got down four miles. That's what it was. Didn't want to stop at the ranch gate. That's what. Too goddamn lazy to pull up. Wonder if he isn't too damn good to stop in Soldad at all. Kicks us out and says, Just a little stretch down the road. I bet it was more than four miles. Damn hot day. Lenny looked timidly over to him. George? Yeah, what you want? Where are we going, George? The little man jerked down the brim of his hat and scowled over at Lenny. So you forgot that already, did you? i got to tell you again, do I? Jesus Christ, you're a crazy bastard. I forgot, Lenny said softly. I tried not to forget. Honest to God, I did, George. Okay, okay. I'll tell you again. I ain't got nothing to do. I might just as well spend all my time telling you things. And then you forget him and I tell you again. Tried and tried, said Lenny, but it didn't go do no good. I remember about the rabbits, George. The hell with the rabbits. That's all you ever 
can remember is them rabbits. Okay, now you listen, and this time you got to remember so we don't get in no trouble. You remember sitting in that gutter on Howard Street and watching them, that blackboard? Lenny's face broke into a delighted smile. Why, sure, George, I remember that. But what will we do then? I remember some girls come by and you say, you say, the hell with what I says. You remember about us going into Murray and Reddy's and they give us work cards and bus tickets. Oh, sure, George, I remember that now. His hands went quickly into his side pockets. He said gently, George, I ain't got mine. I must have lost it. He looked down at the ground in despair. You never had one, you crazy bastard. I got both of them here. Think I'd let you carry your own work card? Lenny grinned with relief. I I thought I'd put it in my side pocket. He went into the pocket again. Judge looked shocked. And what did you take out that pocket? I ain't a thing in my pocket. Lenny said cleverly. I know there ain't. You got it in your hand. What you got in your hand hiding it? I ain't got nothing, George, honest. Well, come on, give it here. Lenny held his closed hand away from George's direction. It's only a mouse, George. A mouse? A live mouse? Uh-huh. Just a dead mouse, George. I didn't kill it, honest. I found it. I found it, Dad. Give it here, said George. Oh, let me... Let me have it, George. Give it here. Lenny... Lenny's closed hand slowly obeyed. George took the mouse and threw it across the pond to the other side amongst the bush. What you want of a dead mouse anyways? I could pet it with my thumb while we walked along, said Lenny. Well, you ain't petting no mice while you walk with me. You remember where we're going now? Lenny looked startled and then embarrassment hid his face in his knees. I forgot again. Jesus Christ, George said resignedly. Well, look, we're going to work on a ranch like the one we came from up north, up north in Weed. Oh, sure, I remember, in Weed. That ranch we're going to is right down there, a quarter mile. We're going to go in and see the boss. Now, look, I'll give him the work tickets, but you ain't going to say a word. You just stand there and don't say nothing. If he finds out what a crazy bastard you are, we won't get no job. But if he sees your work before he hears your talk, we're set. You got that? Sure, Judge. Sure, I got that. Okay. Now we go in to see the boss. What are you going to do? I, I... When he thought, his face grew tight with the thought, I ain't going to say nothing. Just was going to stand there. Good boy. That's swell. You say that over two, three times, so you sure you won't forget? Lenny droned to himself softly. I ain't going to say nothing. I ain't going to say nothing. I ain't going to say nothing. Okay, said George, and you ain't gonna do no bad things like you done in weed, neither. Then he looked puzzled, like I done in weed. Oh, so you forgot that too, did you? Well, I ain't gonna remind you. Do you do it again? A light of understanding broke out on Lenny's face. The runner's out of weed, he exploded triumphantly. Runner's out, hell, said George disgustedly. We'll run. They was looking for us, but they didn't catch us. Lenny giggled happily. I didn't forget you, bet. That you bet. 
George lay on the sand and crossed his hands under the, his head, and Lenny imitated him, raising his head to see whether he was doing it right. God, you're a lot of trouble, said George. I could get a lot wrong so easy and nice if you didn't have you on my tail. I could live so easily and maybe have a girl. For a moment, Lenny lay quiet, and then he said, hopefully, we're going to work on a ranch, George. All right. We got that, but we're going to sleep here because I've got a reason. The day was going fast now. Only the tops of the Gibbelin Mountains flamed with the light of the sun that had gone from the valley. A water snake slipped along the pool, its head held up like a periscope. The reeds jerked slightly in the current. Far off towards the highway, a man shouted something, and another man shouted back. The sycamore limbs rustled under a little wind that died immediately. George, why ain't we gonna going on to the ranch and get some supper? They got supper at ranch. George rolled on his side. No reason at all for you. I like it here. Tomorrow we're gonna go to work. I've seen thrashing machines on the way down. That means we'll be booking grain bags just in a gut. Tonight I'm gonna lay here and look up. I like it. Lenny got up on his knees and looked down at George. Ain't we gonna have no supper? Sure we are. If you gather up some dead willow sticks. I got three cans of beans in my bundle. You get a fire ready. I'll give you a match when you get the sticks together. Then we'll heat the beans and have supper. Lenny said, I like beans with ketchup. Well, we ain't got no ketchup. You go get wood and don't you fool around. It'll be dark before long. Lenny lumbered to his feet and disappeared in the brush. George lay where he was and whistled softly to himself. There were sounds of splashings down the river in the direction Lenny had taken. George stopped whistling and listened. Poor bastard, he said softly, and then went on whistling again. In a moment, Lenny came crashing through the brush. He carried one small willow stick in his hand. George sat up, all right, he said briskly. Give me that mouse. But Lenny had an elaborate pantomime of innocence. What mouse, George? I ain't got no mouse. George his hat, held out his hands. Come on, give it to me. You ain't got putting nothing over. Lenny hesitated. Backed away, wildly at the brush line, as though he contemplated running for his freedom. George said coldly, You're going to give me that, Mouse, or do I have to sock you? Give you what, George? You know goddamn well what. I want that, Mouse. Lenny reluctantly reached it back into his pocket. His voice broke a little. I don't know why I can't keep it. It ain't nobody's mouse. I didn't steal it. I found it lying beside the road. George's hand remained outstretched imperiously, slowly, like a terrier who doesn't want to bring a bull to its master, Lenny approached, drew back and approached again. George snapped his fingers sharply and at the sound Lenny laid the mouse in his hand. I wasn't going to do nothing bad with it, George, just stroking it. George stood up and threw the mouse as far as he could into the darkening brush and then he stepped to the pool and washed his hands. You crazy fool, don't you think I could get your see your feet? was wet where you went across the river to get it. He heard Lenny's whimpering cry and wheeled it about, blubbering like a baby Jesus Christ, a big guy like you. 
and his lip quivered and tears started in his eyes. Oh, Lenny. George put his hand on Lenny's shoulder. I ain't just taking it away just for meanness. That mouse ain't fresh, Lenny. And besides, you've broke it, petting it. You can get another mouse that's fresh and I'll let you keep it a little while. Lenny sat down on the ground and hung his head dejectively. I don't know why there's no other mouse. I remember a lady used to give him to me. Ever one she got, but that lady ain't here. George scoffed, lady, huh? Don't even remember who that lady was. That was your own Aunt Clara, and she stopped giving them to you. You always killed them. Lenny looked sadly up at him. They were so little, he said apologetically. I pet them, and pretty soon they bit my fingers out and punched their heads a little, and then they was dead because they were so little. I wished we'd get rabbits pretty soon, George. They ain't so little. The hell with the rabbits. And you ain't to be trusted with no live mice. Your Aunt Clara gave you a rubber mouse, and you wouldn't have nothing to do with it. It wasn't no good to pet, said Lenny. The flame of the sunset lifted from the mountain tops, and dusk came into the valley, and a half-darkness came in among the willows and the sycamores. A big carp rose to the surface of the pool, gulped air, and sank mysteriously back, mysteriously into the dark water again, leaving widening rings on the water. Overhead, the leaves whistled again, and little puffs of willow cotton blew down and landed on the pool's surface. You're going to get that, Wood, George demanded. There's plenty right up against the back of that sycamore. Flood water, Wood. Now you get it. Lenny went behind the tree and brought out a litter of dried leaves and twigs. He threw them in a heap on an old ash pile and went back for more and more. It was almost night now. A dove's wings whistled through the water. George walked to the fire pile and lighted the dry leaves. The flame crackled up amongst the twigs and fell to work. George undid his bundle and brought out three cans of beans. He stood them about the fire, closing against the blaze, not quite touching the flame. There's enough beans for four men, George said. Lenny watched him from over the fire, he said patiently. I like him with ketchup. Well, we ain't got any, George exploded. Whatever we ain't got, that's what you want. God almighty, if I was alone, I would live so easy. I could get a job and work and no trouble, no mess at all. And when the end of the month come, I could take my 50 bucks and go on into town and get whatever I want. Why, I could stay in a cat house all night. I could eat any place I want, hotel or another place, and order any damn thing I could think of, and I could do it all that every damn month. Get a gallon of whiskey, or sit in a pool room, and play cards, or shoot pool. Lenny leant now and looked over at the fire, over the fire at the angry George, and Lenny's face was drawn in terror. And what I got, George went on furiously, I got you. You can't keep a job and you lose me every job I get. Just 
keep me shoving all over the country all the time and that ain't the worst you'll get in trouble you do bad things and i gotta get you out his voice rose to a shout you dry you crazy son of a bitch you keep me in hot water all the time he took on the elaborate manner of little girls when they were mimicking one another just wanted to feel that girl's dress and just wanted to pet it like it was a mouse well, how the hell did she know you just wanted to feel her dress? She jerks back and you hold on like it's a mouse. She yells and we've got to hide in the irrigation ditch all day. But the guy's looking for us and we've got to sneak out in the dark and get whatever out of the country. All the time, something like that, all the time. I wish I could put you in a cage with about a million mice and let you have them. Have fun. His anger left him suddenly. He looked across the shamed. He looked across the fire at Lenny's anguished face and then he looked ashamedly at the flames. It's pretty dark now, but the fire lighted the trunks of the trees and the carving branches overhead. Lenny crawled slowly and cautiously around the fire until he was close to George. He sat down on his heels. George turned the bean can so that another side was faced the fire. He pretended to be unaware of Lenny so close behind him. George? Very softly, no answer. George, what do you want? I was only fooling, George. I don't want no ketchup. I wouldn't eat no ketchup if it were right here beside me. If it was here, you would have some. But I wouldn't eat none, George. I'd leave it all for you. You could cover your beans with it and I wouldn't touch the none of it. George stared morosely at the fire. When I think of the swell time I could have without you, I go nuts. I never get no peace. George still knelt. He looked off into the darkness across the river. George, you want... I should go away and leave you alone well, ha well where the hell would you go well i could i could go off in the hills there some place i'd find a cave yeah and how'd you eat you ain't got no sense enough to find nothing to eat i'd find things george i don't need no nice food with ketchup i'd lay out in the sun and nobody hurt me and if i found a mouse i could keep it nobody take it away from me george looked quickly and searchedly at him i've been mean ain't I if you don't want me to want me I could go off in the hills and find a cave I can go away at any time but no I just fool him Lenny because I want you to stay with me trouble with mice is you always kill him he paused tell you what I'll do Lenny first chance I get I'll give you a pup maybe you won't kill it that'd be better than mice you could pet it harder Lenny avoided the bait he had sensed his advantage. If you don't want me, you only just say so, and I'll be off in those hills right there, right up in those hills, and live by myself, and I won't get no mice stole from me. George said, I want you to stay with me, Lenny. Jesus Christ, somebody to shoot you for a KO if you was just was by yourself. No, you stay with me. Your Aunt Clara wouldn't like you ruin off by yourself, even if she is dead. Then he spoke craftily, Tammy, like you done before, tell you what, about the rabbits. 
George Stout, you ain't gonna put nothing over on me. Then he pleaded, come on, George, tell me, please, George. Like you've done before. You'd get a kick out of that, wouldn't you? All right, I'll tell you, and then we'll eat our supper. George's deep voice became... George's voice became deeper. He repeated his words rhythmically as he thought he had said them many times before. Guys like us, that work on ranches, are the loneliest guys in the world. They've got no family, they don't belong to no place, they come to a ranch and work cook a steak, and then they go into town and blow their steak, and the first thing you know, they'll be pounding their tail on some other ranch. They ain't got nothing to look ahead to. Lenny was delighted. That's it, that's it. Now tell how it is with us. Judge went on. With us, it ain't like that. We've got a future. We've got somebody to talk to that gives a damn about us. We don't have to sit in no bar room blowing in our jack just because we've got no place else to go. If them other guys gets in jail, they come up for all anyone gives a damn. But not us. When he broke in. But not us. And why? Because I got you to look after me and you got me to look after you. And that's why he said he'll have to lightly go on now, George. You've got it by heart. You can do it by yourself. No, you forget. I forget something. Some of, thi- of things. Tell about how it's going to be. Okay, someday I'm going to get the jack together and we're going to have a little house and a couple of acres and a cow, and some pigs, and a live off the fat of the land. And he shouted, and have rabbits. Go on, George, tell me about what we're going to have in the garden, and about the rabbits in the cages, and about the rain in the winter, and the stove, and, and how thick the cream is, and the milk like you can hardly cut it. Tell about that, George. When you do it yourself, you know it all of it. No, you tell it. It ain't the same if I tell it. Go on, George. How I get to tend the rabbits? Well, we'll have a big vegetable patch and a rabbit hutch and chickens and when it rains in this winter, we'll just stay the hell with going to work and we'll build up a fire in the stove and sit around it and listen to the rain coming down on the roof. Not... I ain't got time for no more. He drove his knife through the top of one of the bean cans, slawed off the top, past the can to Lenny, and he opened a second can. From his side pocket, he brought out two spoons and passed one of them to Lenny. They sat by the fire and filled their mouths with beans, chewing mightily. A few beans slipped out of the side of Lenny's mouth, George just a spoon. You're gonna say tomorrow when the boss asks you a question. Lenny stopped chewing and swallowed. His face was concentrated. I, I ain't gonna say a word. Good boy. That's fine, Lenny. Maybe you're getting better. When we get, get the couple of acres, I can tell you to tend the rabbits all right, especially if you remember as good as that. Lenny choked with pride. I can remember, he said. George motioned to his spoon again. Look, Lenny, I want you to look around here. You can remember that this place, can't you? The ranch is about a quarter mile up that way. Just follow the river. Shh. 
sure, said Lenny. I can remember this. Didn't I remember about what I was going to say a word? Of course you did. Well, look, Lenny. If you just happen to get in trouble like you always done before, I want you to come right here and hide in the brush. Hide in the brush, said Lenny slowly. Hide in the brush till I come in for you. Can you remember that? Sure I can, George. Hide in the brush till you come. But you ain't going to get in no trouble, because if you do, I won't let you turn to the rabbits. Through his empty can, being can off into the brush. I won't get into no trouble, George. I ain't going to say a word. Okay, bring your bundle over here by the fire. It's going to be nice sleeping here, looking up in the leaves. Don't build up no more fire. We'll let her die down. They made their beds on the sand, and as the blaze dropped from the fire, the sphere of light grew smaller. The curling branches disappeared, and only a flake faint glimmer showed where the tree trunks were from the darkness when he called george you're asleep no what do you want let's have a different color rabbits george sure we will george said sleepily red and blue and green rabbits lenny millions of them furry ones george like i seen in the fair in sacramento sure furry ones because i just "'Cause I can just as well go away, George, and live in the cave. "'You can just as well go to hell. Shut up now.' "'The red light dimmed on the coals. "'Up the hill from the river, coyote yammered. "'A dog answered from the other side of the stream. "'The sycamore leaves whispered in a little night breeze.'